copies of the scriptures to Genesis 46. We want to cover a bit uh, of... Sometimes knowing the end of the story helps you understand the story a little better. And we have the distinct advantage of often having read or having these stories read to us. Thank you, worship team, for that last song. Uh, particularly struck by the phrase, healer of the hurt that I hold inside. And uh, the hurt that we often hold inside is multifaceted. Everyone is different. Everyone's hurt is different. But what is true is that they're often, uh, the hurt that we feel inside is often things that we have done or things that have been acted out on us. And both are equally painful because we have to live with ourselves and we have to live with what has happened to us. Now, uh, so keep that in mind as we, as we look at Genesis 46. I'm going to begin reading in verse 28. This is the grand reunion of Joseph and his father. And I want you to notice how very clearly the scriptures point us to who's involved. He had sent Judah ahead of him, and the he there is is Jacob. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen. They came into the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. We'll stop there. This is actually jumping ahead to more than what I want you to cover, but we often want to go to the end of the story and, and find the good news where the hero uh, is reunited with his father and everything's okay. Um, and, and most times, uh, I wish life worked that way always, but it, it, it doesn't. Now, turn back in your copies of the Scripture to, to, to uh, chapter 42 of Genesis. When we left the story last time, and by the way, we'll have one more portion to the story in two weeks, but when we left this story the last time, uh, Joseph had interpreted the dreams. Now, remember and walk with me as we just recap. Uh, in this story. First of all, you have Joseph dreaming. When he's a 17-year-old boy, he dreams these dreams, and maybe he should have, or maybe he shouldn't have, but he tells his brother and his family these dreams. And this dream is that these, uh, the stars bowed down to his, and the, and the sun and the moon bowed down to his star, and the, the sheaves bowed down to him. And his, uh, his, it, it made his brothers mad. Now, he's the second to the youngest of 12 boys. Uh, interesting dynamics here. His, younger bro- his youngest brother is Benjamin. By the way, Joseph was born about the time that his father uh, cheated Laban out of a bunch of Laban's stock and left that land. That's about when Joseph was born. And, and so Joseph would have also been there the night that uh, his father wrestled with an angel. And uh, then his father meets his uncle Esau, and his uncle Esau, everyone's scared. 
And there, there's all these tensions there, these fears there, and there's a lot of bad blood. Uh, it, it's one of these families where, boy, you sure wouldn't want to get in between the people, but maybe they'd still, in the end, beat you up for just getting close to them. Uh, th- these are a bunch of thugs, some of these guys, and, uh, and not very savory guys. Uh, the, three, the two oldest brothers, and so, so that you have that story of his dream. And then at the very end, after his father had met Esau, his, his father's brother, Joseph's uncle, uh, his father had another son. And at the birth of that son, uh, his real mother died. And so Joseph doesn't have a mother. His mother died giving birth to Benjamin, his youngest brother, his only blood brother. And, and, so, and, then, and so you have this story that kind of leads up to that. In the middle of the story, you have the story of Judah. And in the story of Judah, uh, Judah, it's kind of a, oftentimes it's kind of given a side note. I don't think it is. I think early readers and the Jewish readers of this, of this story actually uh, appreciate the fact that Judah is involved. And so you have these principal players. You have Judah, and you have Joseph, and, and then you have the rest of the brothers. And they're kind of interwoven throughout the story. And we'll, we'll just pick up small pieces of the story that you should at least know that we can talk about. So 42. So uh, now, uh, then he got, uh, Joseph gets sold. His brothers want to kill him. So he gets sold into uh, slavery instead. The Midianites take him to Egypt. He prospers there, and he's wrongfully accused. And then he goes uh, into prison, and he prospers there. And, and suddenly he's in front of Pharaoh in one, this one grand moment, and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and suddenly he's second in command. In one day's time, he goes from prisoner to second in command in Egypt. And there's this fabulous moment where you think, boy, he's arrived. He has, and he's given a wife. He has two sons. The first, the, he names the first one um, as a distinctive name. The second one is... Um, I, I don't have my notes with me, but the second son he names, like, not that, uh, I have, I've, I've left behind my father's house, in essence. I've laid that down, is the name of his second son. And, and so he's kind of moved on in his life, but then this famine hits the land, and, and that's where we pick up the story. So let's pick up the story in, uh, 42.9. Well, 42. First part of 42, the brother's uh, dad says, I want you to go down to Egypt because that's the only place there is grain. Now, what do you think the brothers thought every time they thought Egypt? I, I'm sure. They don't know what's happened to Joseph, but they knew the Midianites were going to Egypt and selling him slavery there. I wonder if there was ever this kind of pang of fear. That I wonder what happened to him. They had to think about it because it's so woven into the story. So in, in, in 42... Uh, We'll, we'll pick up the story in verse 7. So the brothers come, and they bow themselves before him, and their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said, from the land of Canaan to buy food? And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. He said to them, You are spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. And note what they said. We are honest men. Oh, that's really fascinating. We are honest men. 
Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, No, you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, We are your servants. We, your servants, verse 13, are twelve brothers. The son the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. That phrase will come up repeatedly. One is no more. And the one that is no more is sitting with the opportunity to do his bro- <coughs> due to his brothers whatever he wishes. He is in total charge. They don't recognize this, but he does. And uh, so he throws them all in jail. I kind of like this part. Throws them all in jail. And by the way, Joseph could have gone down to visit them. After he became in charge, he could have uh, told Pharaoh, I want to go see my, find my, if my father's alive. He didn't do that. They came to him. And uh, while they're sitting in jail, uh, his brothers remained in custody. And they told him, If you are honest men, in verse 19, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine to your households. Bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, Now listen what they say. They said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. What did those brothers think about that when they're in that Egyptian prison, all they could think about is what they had done to Joseph. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you have a secret sin, when you carry around secret sin, and, and when, even when you make a pact with others and you're going to hide this sin, when you hide sin, it will forever burn a hole in your heart. And everything will be focused around that. Notice these brothers over and over again. They, 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 they feel the weight of those two shekels. They, they were given 20 shekels for their brother. Remember that? When the Midianites came, they sold him for 20 shekels. There's 10 brothers. They each get two shekels. And those shekels have burned a hole. And every time they saw a coat of many colors, every time they see that. So that one of the pieces that we need to recognize in this story that God is teaching through this story, is that when we have unconfessed sin, when we have sin that we're not really willing to deal with, it will plague us. And everything we do will be geared around that sin. We'll try to live our lives getting away from it. And they did. And uh, Reuben, this uh, straight-shooting Reuben guy, uh, who said, wait, am I not the guy who said we shouldn't kill him? We shouldn't do anything with him. I was actually going to go back and rescue him. But I didn't get a chance because you guys went ahead. And there's all this inner fighting. And that is another thing that sin does. It, it makes you want to blame other people. And, and, and uh, he understands. He says, uh, there has to be a reckoning for their, the blood. The brothers, uh, f- suddenly they say, well, we'll leave Simeon here. Now, Simeon has weak eyes. I know Issachar is weak, guys. Simeon is not a very savory guy. Simeon and Levi once killed a whole village of people. And so they said, well, he's okay. We can leave him here. And so they leave Simeon there, and they, and they get grain. He makes, they make a deal with Joseph. They leave Simeon there, their brother. He's in an Egyptian prison, and uh, they leave him there. And they take grain and go back. That night, when they opened their sacks to find grain, 
to look at their grain to eat, they open their sacks and laying on top of the sacks is money. And I often wonder if it wasn't two shekels. Just enough to remind them of what they had done. And this thing haunts them. They go back home to their dad. Um, they get back home to their dad and they, and they said to their dad uh, in verse 29... They said that the man, the Lord of the land, 30, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies. But we said to him, we are honest men. They keep saying this over and over again. We are honest men. Now their dad knows them. And he knows they're not honest men. And by the way, their dad is not necessarily the honest, most honest man in the world. He once cheated his own brother out of the birthright. And he cheated his uncle out of a whole bunch of stock. I mean, this is a really good group of people. And... Uh, and he, said, he says, you can imagine their dad saying, Poof, when he said, we are honest men. Um, and, and he told us, if, if you bring your youngest brother, and as they emptied their sack, and uh, they, this, this Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is now no more. And in, implicitly he understands that the brothers have probably done something with Joseph. Joseph is now no more. Simeon is no more. And now you would take... Benjamin. Then Reuben said to his dad, kill, me, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Now, Reuben, kill my two sons. And his dad kind of discounts it because Reuben hasn't proved anything much in life either. And the famine was rather severe, and it kept on going. And um, his dad finally told these ten boys, nine boys, nine boys now, go back for some more grain. They said, we can't go back. And then, in, in chapter 43, verse 7, it says, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was in answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah, now note what Judah says, and Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me. And we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. But both we and you and also our little ones, I will be a pledge of his safety. Judah. And I think this is where we understand, begin to understand something different about Judah. Something that's happened to Judah. When he says, I will be a pledge for his safety. Max Lucado said, for anything good to happen to Jacob's family, someone in the clan had to grow up. Someone had to take responsibility. If not Jacob, then one of the brothers had to mature to the point where he took responsibility for his action. I will be a pledge for his safety. And here we have Judah saying, look, I've grown up. And by the way, this is the very same word. Judah uses the very same word, I will be a pledge for his safety, that Tamar used with him when she said, what will you pledge when you give this to me? And there is those deep connections throughout the story that modern readers often miss. And Judah said, I'll be a pledge for his safety. It's different than what Reuben said. Reuben said, if we don't return kill my two sons. Judah said, let it fall on me. I will take responsibility. And, and I, as I see this story unfold, and they go back, and they, they, they're in front of 
they take some gifts back, and they, they go down and they get in front of Joseph again. So they, they, they're brought into the, the house, and they get a noon meal ready. And they, they brought the men in. So they, they went up to the, the, the steward of Joseph's house, the doorkeeper, and said, Look, when we got back last time, there was money in our sacks. He said, Well, don't worry too much about it. it God, the God of your fathers, has put the treasures in your sacks. Well, I wonder what the men thought when he said that. But anyway, and they, they brought the men into Joseph's house. And uh, they brought Simeon up to them. And when they, when they came in, uh, they, they had this meal. And it so affected Joseph that he, be, he had to leave the room. And, it, and then when I... He, he cried. And then he said, uh, fill the men's sacks with as much food. By the way, they had that feast then. And five portions were laid in front of Benjamin. And then they left the next morning. As soon as the morning was light, the men and their donkeys went away. And, when they, and uh, they have this story with the cup. Now, Joseph's cup is very important because any, anyone who wants to poison the king or his second-in-command needs to drink out of the cup. So that's why they have cup bears. So the cup is very important because you can poison. Wine is the easiest thing to poison in that world. And so the king's cup is missing, or the, Joseph's cup is missing, and they said somebody stole the cup. So they catch the men, and it, they catch the men, and they start opening bags, and they get to Benjamin's bag, and they open the bag, and there is the cup. What do you think those brothers thought? Those, they're now, again, ten brothers with the opportunity to throw their youngest brother, their dad's favorite, back to the wind. And once again, it's Judah who speaks up. Judah says, verse 16 of chapter 44, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. We are guilty. Then Judah went up to... This is a very moving portion because it, it shows what happened to Judah. Judah went up to Joseph in verse 18. Said, O oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ear. Let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a, younger bro- and a young brother, the child of his old age. He talks about the family relationships... And we went back to, this, he talks about um, how his dad said, I, you know, you have to, finally they said, we'll take your younger brother. And he says, Judah pledged his life. And then in verse 27, we'll pick up the story again. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. Wait, there's 12, isn't there? You know that my wife bore me two sons. Their dad is still stuck on those two boys. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs in evil to Sheol, or to hell. Now therefore, as soon as I come to, you, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is, with, is not with us, he will die. And your servant will bring down the gray hairs 
of your servant our father with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant become a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. Let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Then Joseph could not control himself anymore. And he removed all the people from inside the house. And he calls those 12, uh, 11 boys up close. And he says, by now they're scared. They have to be. The king is crying or the, the Pharaoh's second in command is bawling. And they're thinking, whatever in the world did we do? And as those tears streamed down his face, tears of years of brokenness, years of aloneness, years of oppression come flowing down his face. He said, I am Joseph, your brother. He cried so loud, it said, that Pharaoh's servants in the courtyard heard him. And let me just suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that that deep cry of Joseph wailing is a sound of forgiveness. That's how forgiveness sounds when it's extended. Forgiveness is not some neat, easy package that we do every morning, you know, oh, I forgive this and this. Forgiveness comes out of those years of broken relationships and that wishing for something different. But it also often takes somebody like Judah. And there's this story so deeply connected together. And notice what Joseph says to his, bro- his brothers. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They're already feeling their heads leave their bodies. They are so scared. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near me. Come a little closer. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. God has sent me before you. God sent me before you. He says it three times. I've been sent here by God. And all those brothers could think about was their own two shekels and their own money and their own fear. And Joseph rose above that. And in many respects, Judah rose above that. He says, go get your father. Go get him. In fact, I'll provide wagons. And there's this grand reunion. I wonder what happened in that room. I wonder if they hugged. You know, they probably did. But I wonder if, uh, if they kind of made, let Joseph take the first move. I'm guessing they did. You know, it's like you get, you get a little closer and you get a little closer. And, and uh, you know, does he have a knife in his hand? Because see, these brothers are used to living like that. They're used to being worried about the knife in the other guy's hand. That's how they've lived. 
And he sends them back to their father. And they, they walk out of that palace. And they're like completely different men. Uh, but they carry some kind of burden inside themselves still. Because that's what sin does. And then, he, you know, did you notice what his parting words were to them? He sends them back to his father and says, go get dad. Go bring everybody back. Bring them back. We'll provide a place for you. You're taken care of. I offer you something you're taken care of. And before they leave, he says, now, uh, uh, it, it's found in uh, uh, verse 24. He sent his brothers away. And as they departed, last words to them, he says, don't quarrel on the way. And I'm sure he laughed to himself a little bit and thought, I know them quite well. Don't quarrel on the way. And we move right into there in the verse, uh, in chapter 46 when, when uh, Jacob came back. But I want us to just notice a couple things. I want us to, I, and, and next Sunday in, in, in a week, when we finish this up, we want to talk a little more about Joseph and forgiveness. But I want you to notice particularly the role that Judah plays in this story. Judah is the one who, was, who made it able. For, the, the reason that Judah and Tamar, that, that story that we have not known what to do with, that we've skipped over, that Brother Dennis told me that in 64 years of going to church, he has never heard anybody preach from Genesis 38. It's one of those stories where you don't know if you should read it to your children or not. And you know, it's one of those stories. But that story is there because of what happens at the end of that story. When Judah awakens, this strange woman has just said, this is the man. And Judah suddenly understands that he is a broken, filthy, broken sinner. And he says, she is more righteous than I. That admission, she is more righteous than I, allows Judah to move into the leadership role in his family. And you will note that the line of the tribe of Judah, our Jesus Christ, does not come from the family of Joseph. He comes from the family of Judah. He's the broken one who, is, who restored himself by his own admission of repentance. And brothers and sisters, if you are carrying uh, secret sins, if you're hiding, if you've done things in the past that you're uncomfortable with, the only way to deal with them is to say, I need help. I need forgiveness. I need, to, I need to be open enough to say, she is more righteous than I am. And it's in that that we become leaders, that we're able to bring reconciliation to the broken world. See, Judah became, <coughs> Judah became the model of reconciliation. He's the one who says to his father, I will be a pledge for my family. And 2,000 years, several thousand years later, as God sent Jesus into the world, Jesus would say, I will be a pledge for this family. And so, if you're living, in, and in two weeks I want to talk more about forgiveness and, and what that looks like. I was going to get to it today, I'm not going to. And all those things, that deep cry of forgiveness as we look at the tail end of this story, because there's something really powerful in Joseph not just immediately absolving his brothers. He could have said, oh, you guys, I've forgiven you. Don't worry about it. I've forgiven you. He didn't say that. He put him in prison for a couple days and kind of watched him, brought him in and tested him out. Should we ever do that? Well, perhaps we need to sometimes. But let's focus today on our Judaness, where we've hidden, where we've gotten it wrong. And it, the, one of the things that I've discovered in my own life is that when I've done something really bad and I feel all this guilt and shame about that, 
It, one of the devil's tools is for him to say, yeah, you're, you're a messy person. You know what? You should just kind of back out of life. You know, don't speak up in those moments because people are going to think about what you did back there. That isn't from God. You know, all of Judah's brothers knew what had happened. His dad knew what had happened. And they saw a changed Judah. The only way to prove to the world who we're walking with is by how we live. And when we can say, I'm a broken person, I need help, they are more righteous than I. It's in that moment that the greatest healer of the world can come down, forgive our sins, and we, we can become powerful. He becomes the leader of his family by his own admission. She is a more righteous person than I am. And so if you're bound up in your relationships with Tamar, your willingness to sell your brother to the Midianites, or whatever sin, there is only one way out of that. God wants people who are strong and powerful and can engage their world's with strength. And we find that in repentance. Let's stand together. For anything good to happen in this family, someone in the clan had to grow up. Somebody had to say, I got it wrong. Somebody had to mature to the point where he took They took responsibility for their actions. It's the same in our world. It's the same in our families. The only person you will give account for at the final judgment is yourself. Lord Jesus, as we think about our own lives, as we think about the fact of of how much like Judah we are, I pray that you would help us mature and grow up and discover the strength and the power of repentance and the healing that happens when we can say, I am wrong. Lord, there's also a powerful story of forgiveness here. And until we can talk about that again, I pray that you would work in our hearts and help us to learn how to forgive and how to bring these things to you and let you work. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.